Hello and welcome to Servant's Heart Chapel. I am Pastor Daryl, and I hope today's episode is a special blessing to you. We'll see if we can try to finish up um, chapter 5 today. But we won't rush anything. If we have to finish up next week, then that's what we'll do. I want the devil uses many tricks to either distract us or discourage us from following God. No joy, huh? He wants mommy. Okay. That was it, yeah. The devil uses many uh, tricks to, to, to distract or discourage us from uh, following God. We, we talked about that a lot in Connection Group when we read the book, The Screwtape Letters, together. Uh, that's what that book was all about, different strategies the devil uses. Uh, one of those strategies is uh, to, to think lightly about sin, about the impact of sin in our lives. What's the big deal? Why does God care? Uh, what we do or don't we do. It's not hurting anybody. Um, and, and often a lot of people struggle with what is some call pet sins. Little sins that you don't think is that big a deal. You know, after all, I'm not bad as others. Other people that are much worse than me. If I have these little things I'm doing that, that you know, God says is wrong, you know, it doesn't hurt anyone. So what's the big deal? Restless Romans 5 section is going to talk a lot about what the big deal is. In fact, we're going to go into what we as Christians, what the Bible says about sin. Uh, we're kind of going to deviate from the chapter just a little bit as we get into this, because I think it's important to, to talk about sin and what it really is. Uh, there was a movement in, in a lot of Christian churches back in the 90s called the seeker-sensitive movement. And, and what they wanted to do is they wanted everybody to be comfortable in church. That's, that's when the churches started looking like nightclubs with the, the lights and, and the fog and everything. And, and, and the preachers, when they preached, they never talked about sin. They never wanted anybody to uh, talk about sin at all. And I, by the way, I'm not talking about preaching at people. You never do that. I've seen some preachers do that. It never goes well. I let God speak to people about their lives, but... But they wouldn't talk about sin. And so people would think, well, I, I came forward and I accepted Jesus and they dunked me in water and, and so I'm good and I'm going to go live my own life. And and problem with that is that's really more pagan than it is Christians. A lot of people treat God like a pagan God. The pagans, their gods, you know, they don't really have... The idea of faith or relationship, and I'm talking about history of paganism, as far back as Romans and Greeks back in Christ's time, uh, and even further back in Egypt and all you know thousands of years ago. There's no they don't they don't talk about faith, trust trusting their God. No, they don't trust their God. They don't have a relationship with their God. All they want to do is appease their God. So they'll leave them alone or maybe even do some nice things for them. You know, maybe I'll have good health or a good crop this year because 
I, I, I was able to appease my God. And people did, I've done a lot of things over the you know, millennia to try to appease their God. Some is going as far as burning their children alive in order to appease their God. And a lot of Christians take that same attitude. I come, I say a few words, and I do a few things, and then now I'm going to go live my own life uh, in hopes that I have appeased God, and so that way when I die, God will let me into heaven. But that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about a relationship with God. And also uh, living a life in obedience to God. That's very good. See, I like what you said there, repenting and change of mind. A lot of people think repentance means just feeling sorry for something. And sorrow is part of that. But it's not, it, it, that's not all of it. It's a changing of the mind. That's why the Bible talks about God repenting. God didn't do anything wrong. He changed his mind about something. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And the story I use on repentance uh, is, you know, when Cody was very young, I, I, he said something that he shouldn't, and I slapped him in the face. That's what my parents did to me. But the moment I did that, I did not feel right about it. I didn't like it at all. And I said to myself, I'm not going to do that ever again. And I didn't. I repented of it. I changed my mind. I, I'm not going to go follow this, this uh, method of discipline. I'm going to find something else. I didn't want to do that. That's repentance. Um, and so I... There's this, this, this lightness towards sin, but the reality, and we're going to see in chapter 5 here, uh, that verse 12, um, that there's nothing light about sin whatsoever. It is absolutely destructive, and we're going to get into that later. I'm going to get ahead of myself. I, this section, verses uh, 12 through 21, I, it is one of the most important sections I, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the New Testament. Um, and it's because it's I, in these verses we find the very foundation stones of the gospel. I, and, and you guys, so, so what Romans is, for those of you who haven't been here, what Romans is, it's a, it's a primer, it's a school on Christianity is what it is. Paul started out in Romans 1 talking about, hey, we've all sinned against God and goes through that and then goes through God's solution. And now we're in chapter 5, a comparison between Adam and Christ. And, and it's a very important, very significant. And, and as we go through Romans, we're going to get into even more advanced stuff as, as the Christian matures and advances. Because when you get saved, that's not the finish line. That's the starting line of our life with God. Uh, I want you to notice that as we read this, I want you to notice that more than once the phrase much more is repeated. In comparison to what Adam did, did for us uh, versus what Christ did. Uh, I, and we'll, we'll see that. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, um, I, it does. I. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right, give me one second here. Um, so this verse is verse 12 through 21. It, it provides us important material for the truths that we're going to talk about in Romans 6 through 8. And by the way, uh, those of you who missed the, the prior sermons, those are all online. Those are all podcasts. So if you want to catch up uh, Romans chapter 1 through, through, uh, through where we're here at, you can, you can do that. Um, but uh, we see what we see here is a contrast between the union with Christ for believers versus our former union with Adam. And so let, let's get into it. <clears throat> I, verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered, into, uh, entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all men because all sinned. We're right now dealing with this pandemic, right? Uh, we're very familiar with uh, a virus. We're trying to control it and trying to keep from getting sick with it and controlling the spread. And people are dying from it. I just had one friend last week pass away from it. Um, it it's a very serious issue. But there actually is a more serious issue I, at large, there's a more serious virus, and that's a sin virus, which has been around for a long time, and everybody has it once you're, once you're born, and it's 100% fatal. You're, you're going to die from it. And, 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 this, I, and it was brought on by Adam's sin when he decided, when he willingly and intentionally disobeyed God, and his sin brought about three types of death. First, we have spiritual death. We died spiritually. We're all born spiritually dead until we're saved and God brings our spirit to life. I, that's what the Bible says. It happens. Um, that's why people who aren't saved can't understand certain concepts. They just don't get it. I, and, and they think, oh, you're just, you're just being... Uh, a, a fanatic, and, and they don't get it at all. Uh, then there's the physical death that takes place, and, 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 and everybody's going to physically die because of sin, because sin entered into the world. Uh, and then also there's the eternal death, hell. And the Bible talks about the, the second death. And that's and so those things came about because of sin. That's the result of this sin virus, and we were without any antidote whatsoever until Christ. Verse thirteen. In fact, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not charged to a person's account when there is no law. God, before God brought the law to Moses, and hey, this is this is what I expect. There was still sin in the world, but God wasn't going to convict anybody because they didn't know any better. God doesn't charge us against sins that we're brought to light. Now, once God brings us something up to light, he expects us to obey. Uh, but uh, 
God is not that way. He's not an unjust God. Verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who did not sin the likeness of Adam's transgression. He is a prototype of the coming one. So we see that even though you know, God didn't charge people with specific sins, they were still affected by Adam's sin in that they were all dying. People were still dying. And even though they didn't commit the same sin that Adam sinned, uh, because we you know, inherited that inner depravity, uh, we're going to talk more about that later on. But right now, I want to kind of take, a, I want to focus on sin a little bit. Uh, it's important to kind of remind ourselves uh, what's a big deal? Why, why care about sin? Well, uh, first off, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read off quickly uh, quite a few things. Uh, first off, a little sin leads to more sin. Always happens. I'm like, I'll just get involved in this a little bit, and then the next thing you know, you're neck deep in it. And that's, that's always the case. It takes you farther than you expect to go. And we see in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22, it says, A wicked man's iniquities will trap him. He'll become tangled in the ropes of his own sin. And I, did the power just go back out, out back there? The power go out back there? Okay. Okay. Uh, number two, sin invites... Why, why we should we care about sin? Because sin invites a discipline of God. In Hebrews 12, verses 5 through 11, we read, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly, or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he, he, he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. Uh, and then uh, skip on down to verse 11. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful, right? It's never fun to be disciplined. Uh, However, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So when God, how did, what does it look like for God to discipline us when we sin? Well, when God allows us to suffer the natural consequences of the sin, health issues to, 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 to sinful habits, uh, emotional issues, relationship issues due to sinful habits, uh, that's all the natural consequences. God allows that. God also brings conviction upon your heart. If, if, if there's any uh, uh, opportunity, if you haven't hardened your heart so much against God, you don't feel it anymore, your conscience will witness against you. It'll maybe even affect your sleep, affect your eating habits. Uh, these are all things that try to direct you away from the sin and towards God. I don't know about you, I... I don't. I, I I appreciate God's discipline, but I'd rather not be disciplined. I'd rather not sin, so I don't invite God's discipline. That seems like a better way to me. I. Uh, 
Let's see here. Um, the next one, my sin never pleases, but always grieves the God who loves me. God loves you. Ezekiel 6, 9 says, then your survivors will remember me among the nations where they are taken captive, how I was crushed by their promiscuous hearts that turned away from me and by their eyes that lusted after their idols. God is, is hurt when you sin against him. When you turn away from him, he's hurt. He loves you. He wants the best for you. I think, I think we would look differently at sin if we really saw, if we really truly understood how our sin affects God personally. Next one, my sin places a greater burden on my spiritual leaders. Hebrews 13, 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who give an account, so they can do this with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. When you commit sin, it, when, if, you know, I see people on Facebook who, who have come to this church and, and, uh, and you know, right now they're not. And I, I see stuff on their Facebook posts and it, gre- it hurts me. Uh, it makes me really sad. I see the direction their life is going and I know that's only going to bring them pain and suffering because uh, I care about you guys. What happens in your life is important to me. I want you to be successful. I want you to do well. I want you to live happy, joyful lives. I, I want you to be fulfilled. And when I see people turn away from God and go back to their old lives, it, it just breaks my heart. Another thing that sin, sin does uh, in time, sin always brings heaviness to my heart. And Psalm 32, 4 says, For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. It brings a heaviness to us, a weight, a depression, a darkness. And we don't need to deal. Why deal with that? Why have that? Another thing that sin does, others, including my family, suffer consequences due to my sin. In 2 Samuel 12.10, it says, this is God talking to David, Now therefore the sword will never leave your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own wife. David was a man after God's own heart. He loved God, and, and, and but he started to, to backslide, started to... Get uh, grow easy in his lifestyle, and if you recall from the story of David, uh, it was a springtime when kings normally go to war. He sent his army off to war, and he stayed in the palace just chilling. And that's that's an indicator that there's a problem when you're not fulfilling your responsibilities. And then he was out in his palace, and he saw this beautiful woman, and he lusted after her, and he decided he wanted her. And he took him in and he slept with her and, and uh, found out she was pregnant. And he, remember, he tried to hide it by bringing her husband home. 
in hopes that her husband would sleep with her so no one would know who the father of the baby is. But her husband wouldn't do it because all his buddies were at war. How could he go to his wife? He was a loyal man. And so he wouldn't do it. And so what did David do? David had him killed. And God, and if, you know, everybody else, for the most part, you know, I'm sure some of the servants knew what was going on, but majority of Jerusalem knew, didn't know anything, but God knew. And God and, and David's sin affected his whole household. War would be known in his family from that point on. In fact, his own son tried to kill him. And so as it with David, it is with us. It affects our kids. How, you guys have seen for your own selves people, uh, parents who were involved in, in sin, and it affected the children. The children weren't cared for. They were abused either verbally or physically or sexually. Uh, and, and they grew up, uh, they grew up uh, with their own issues, right? I grew up with a couple of kids. Their parents were uh, nice people, but they, they were far from God, and they were deep, deep, deep in sin. Uh, and uh, the husband uh, had some relationship with, with, with the mob there in Phoenix, and I would offer to give, get my dad good deals on different things, and my dad was like, no. No, thank you. It needs to be bought from a store. I don't want it. And, uh, but the kids had a rough life. And while the, the daughter, uh, the daughter, uh, she, um, as far as I know, she's okay. I think she's a single mom. But the son, as far as I know, he's still in prison. Uh, he, he followed his parents' footsteps and then some. And that's what happens. Um, what's that? Yeah. Another thing that sin does, it, it, it makes the enemies of God rejoice. Your enemies. The world, the flesh, and the devil, they want to see you destroyed. They want to see you fail. In Psalm 35, 15, it says, But when I stumbled, they gathered in glee. They gathered against me. Assailants I did not know tore at me and did not stop. The enemy, they, they look for you to stumble and fail. And they're, they're so excited to do that. I don't want to give them cause for celebration. Sin also deceives me into believing I have gained when in reality I've lost. And Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. I've got it all figured out. I have everything I want. I don't need anybody. I don't need God. And when really they're lonely and broken and bitter. Sin may keep me from qualifying for spiritual leadership. First Timothy uh, chapter 3, 
verses 2 through 7 says, An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not an excessive drinker, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. He must manage his whole household completely and have his children under control with all dignity. Uh, if anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the, God's church? He must not be a new convert or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as a devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. So I uh, sin in a lot of... A lot of pastors, and you guys see it, the news loves to broadcast any pastor who fails morally. Uh, but that pastor's ministry is done. Uh, it's over. Reputation is gone. There's no trust. All because of sin. Notice also that the supposed benefits of sin will never outweigh the consequences of disobedience. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25, I actually start with 24, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and chose to suffer with the people of God rather to enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of Christ to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since he was looking ahead to the reward. And Moses grew up, he was Jewish, but he grew up in an uh, Egyptian royal family, living the life. Yeah, it began, that's where the princess found him. And, and he was adopted by her. And, and, and he, he was living, I mean, he was, he was living the household of Pharaoh. The best of everything belonging in the clothes, the food. You know, he had a brother, and, 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 they, and you know, they played games and, and had a great time. But he knew to stay was sin. And he didn't want to, he would rather suffer reproach for God's name be made fun of, be despised, and looked down upon for God's name, for God's glory, then continue in, in, in the short-lived pleasures of sin. The benefits of sin are always fleeting. Also, repenting of sin is a painful process. We see in we see in Second Corinthians chapter seven, verse nine. I now rejoice not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. So there's there's grief, there's pain. And, and why go through that? Why suffer that? Why not just walk in obedience to God? Also, my sin may influence others to sin. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse, uh, starting with verse 9, 
that I wrote you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. I did not mean the immoral people of the world or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters. Otherwise, you would have to leave the world. But actually, I wrote you to not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister and is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or verbally abusive, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such a person. Why? Because sin can influence others to sin. You're trying to do what's right. You, you being involved in sinning, you could actually end up causing someone else to sin against God. And while you may actually repent from that and come back to God, there's no promise that that person will do the same. And so you have helped the enemy to hurt somebody spiritually. Also, my sin may keep others from knowing Christ. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 18 says, For by uttering boastful, empty words, they seduce with fleshly desires and debauchery people who have barely escaped from those who live in error. Notice, people who have barely escaped from those who live in error. You could, I, my sin can keep somebody who wants to know Christ may actually not end up knowing Christ. They're, 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 they're curious. They're, they're starting to ask questions. There's a tendency for others in, in sin to, to, to keep everybody down. I know certain families, if someone, you know, alcohol is a big thing, and if someone says, you know what, I'm not going to drink anymore, Boy, they immediately start getting handed beers. Oh, here, take one, just one. It's okay. You have one tonight. You know, you don't need to over drink. It'll be all right. They will bug them. They will harass them. Family members who are supposed to love that person and care for them. Exactly. Sin also makes light of the cross. The very thing upon which Christ died for the purpose of taking away my sin, our sin. Hebrews 10.29 says, How much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God, who has regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? Cross is a very serious thing. It's sin is serious. It's so serious Jesus had to die for it, for us to be given the opportunity to be forgiven of it and made in a right, put in a right relationship with God. Next, it is impossible to sin and follow the Spirit at the same time. Jesus himself said, no man can serve two masters. Ephesians uh, 4.30 says, And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by Him for the day of redemption. We, we grieve the Spirit and we sin against God.
So many Christians believe the lie. I can I can go ahead and live a life of sin and, and follow God. You, you can't serve the devil and serve God. Another one, another here's another thing that sin impacts our prayer life. The Bible says that God chooses not to hear the prayers of those who cherish their sin. There's actually multiple verses uh, on this, but I'm only, I only picked one, James 4, 3. And it said, you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. But we don't want to be involved in sin. Because, why? Because as Christ followers, we promised God that he would be Lord of our life. As we see in Romans chapter 10, and we'll be getting back to that uh, later on because we'll be going through Romans 10. Romans 10 verses 9 through 10 says, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. A lot of people rejected. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, God will hold in greater accountability those who are given more light. Absolutely. Yeah. They do. So, so many people want to be Christians without actually being Christ followers, so they continue doing the things they know is wrong, but... I've always liked this saying about sin. It's so true. Sin will take you farther than you ever thought you'd stray. Sin will leave you so lost you'll, you think you'll never find your way. Sin will keep you longer than ever thought you'd stay, and sin will cost you more than you ever thought you'd pay. I have sins I've committed decades ago, and the scars are still on my heart. I'll remember that and I'll think, oh, why did I do that? It, it, it's, it's permanent scarring. There's no, there's, I, it, it's so not worth it. I try to teach my kids that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, well, we didn't get very far, as I expected. So we're going to finish this up next week. We're going to stop here at verse 15. We'll start with verse 15 next week. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I speak about the danger of sin, but I don't want to just close without reminding everybody that there's a solution. My solution is Christ. All you need to do is confess and forsake your sins and ask Jesus into your life and, and, and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And, 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 uh, and, and, and God will forgive that sin and pronounces you innocent, by the way. We talked about that in earlier chapters. God pronounces you innocent in his court, which is amazing. It's not pardoned. Pardoned is, yes, be honest with God, absolutely, yes. Right. Well, that's all for today. We certainly hope it was a blessing to you. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can email us at servantsheartchapel at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can go to servantsheartchapel.org. Have a wonderful day.